The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We start with Wall Street kicking off a new trading month with a bang as stocks are set to cap off their best week in more than a year. Futures in a holding pattern this morning, however, as investors await the latest jobs report and what impact it may have on the Fed's hawkish pause. Also moving the markets this morning, shares of Apple as the sales slowdown shows no signs of letting up. Plus, breaking overnight, the criminal fraud trial of Sam Bankman-Fried is over. Our verdict is in, guilty on all accounts. We have the very latest in just a moment. And then later in the show, Janet Yellen fires back at the big-name investor calling out her tenure at the Treasury. It's Friday, November the 3rd, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and happy Friday. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. Take a look right here. We see the Dow just just barely holding on to being in the green. The S&P and the Nasdaq moving lower in the pre-market. But stocks are riding a pretty impressive win streak, helped out by the Fed's hawkish pause on Wednesday ahead of the open. The Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq, they are all on pace for their best week of the year. Take a look. You can see right here the S&P and the Nasdaq up about 5 percent, give or take. The Dow up just about four and a half percent. The stock surge going in hand with a bond rally. The yield on the 10 year moving sharply lower since Wednesday, down nearly four percent. That translates into about 20 basis points since Wednesday. Take a look right here. You see the downside move right here after that hawkish pause. All right. Now we want to check the rest of the yield curve. Take a look right here. You can see the two year and the 30 year bond. Those yields both back below five percent. The two-year, however, just barely back below 5%. We'll talk more about that later in the show. We're also watching some wild moves in Bitcoin right now, holding just above that 34,000 mark. Take a look, uh, 34,390 basically, but down just a bit this morning, down one and a half. Remember, Bitcoin trades around the clock. Now, these moves following that breaking news in which a New York jury found former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried guilty on all counts of criminal fraud and conspiracy He now faces a maximum sentence of 115 years in prison. We'll have much more on that story coming up later in the show. But first, to our top stock story this morning, it is, of course, Apple. After its earnings under pressure in the pre-market as its top-line sales slowdown, it continues despite margins and a fiscal Q4 earnings beat. You can see the moves in the stock right here. This morning, our Arjun Kapal, he joins me now with much more on the story. Arjun, good morning. So, as we mentioned, it was a beat. It seems like the guidance, the guidance may be what's weighing on the stock this morning. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Frank. And I'll just give you what happened and where we're going with this. Look, revenue declined for a fourth straight quarter for Apple. All hardware categories such as Mac and iPad fell apart from the iPhone, which managed to bring in $42.8 billion 
of revenue in the quarter, up about 2% year on year. Now, the company was hit by a strong dollar and tough comparisons to last year, according to management. But what upset investors, what you mentioned, Frank, there uh, was really the commentary about the all-important holiday quarter we're, we're in right now. CFO Luca Maestri said the December quarter revenue will be similar to last year, implying no growth, but reminded investors this year there are 13 weeks in the December quarter rather than the 14 like last year. Investors had expected growth for the holiday quarter of around 5% uh, in terms of revenue. Now, there were some bright spots. The growth of iPhone revenue was promising. The all-important services revenue, which includes things like the App Store and iCloud, brought in 22.3 billion dollars in revenue, up 16% year on year. And that shows, I think, Apple continues to drive sales from that massive install base of over a billion iPhone users. But investors now are left wondering where growth from the Cupertino giant will come from going forward. This morning, we've seen a round of price target cuts also from some of the big brokers as well, including JP Morgan, uh, Canaccord, Genuity uh, as well, Frank. So, Arjun, look at the stock again, down just about 3.5%. So follow, uh, before this report, I should say, there were some concerns about Apple's performance in China, given the apparent revival of Huawei. What has Apple said on China? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Huawei released this very surprised new high-end smartphone in, in September, and many thought that this could hit Apple and take users away, given uh, that Huawei used to be the biggest competitor with Apple in China before U.S. sanctions effectively crushed its smartphone business. But that doesn't seem to be the case right now. China revenue did fall about 2.5% year on year in the September quarter, but management saying this was mainly due to a drag from Mac and the iPad category, which dragged down those overall sales. But the company says September quarter iPhone revenue hit a record in China, trying to allay some of those fears around the China story, Frank. All right, Arjun, thank you very much. Great to see you as always. All right, despite the move lower for Apple, stocks, they are still on track for their best week of the year. The S&P 500 coming off its best day since April and closing above its 200-day moving average for the first time since last October as surging bond yields come down from their highs. For much more on the markets, let's bring in Adil Zaman, partner at the Wall Street Alliance Group. Great to have you here in the studio. Good morning. Good to be with you, Frank. All right, let's talk about it. So Apple's earnings weighing on the Nasdaq this morning, the Nasdaq moving lower, but we're also seeing lower bond yields. How does that shape your thoughts of the market? Obviously, Apple's also a very influential stock. Yeah, so we think that, uh, you know, Apple is now in the mature stage of its business. So obviously it is going to, uh, you know, not you can't expect the same level of growth that you were expecting before. But bottom line numbers, they still beat expectations. We think that as far as the market is concerned, last time we were on the show, we called for a pullback and that played out. And whatever fundamentals, whether it's GDP, whether it's unemployment, is still relatively strong. So we feel that we are positioning here for a year-end rally in the equity markets. Talk to me about this year-end rally. We had some guests on yesterday talking about a Santa Claus rally, possibly. What's going to fuel this year-end rally? Because at the same time, we're still seeing attractive yields on bonds. They're lower, about 20 basis points lower after the hawkish pause, but still very attractive. In fact, one analyst, Vanda Research, put out a note called T-bill and chill, just saying you should park your money there. It's a safe bet. Absolutely. So when the 10-year T-bill is at a 16-year high, the risk-free trade is very attractive. So uh, every time there's any negative news, we'll see a flight to safety, and that will create volatility in the market. Also, with the geopolitical tensions, I think that's going to create further volatility. But we feel that with volatility, there's opportunity. And uh, we will be focused on taking advantage of those opportunities for our clients. So speaking of opportunities, you gave us a few picks that you're looking at right now. So one of them is Google following earnings down pretty big earnings on October the 24th. The other one's Tesla following earnings on October the 18th. 
both down significantly. Why is now the, the time to seek an opportunity and buy the dip on these stocks? Well, uh, investors have been pining to buy the Magnificent Seven at good prices, and some of the earnings reports are giving us the opportunity to do so. So a stock on our watch list, Tesla, for example, they're d- disappointed on earnings because obviously when rates are up, the consumer is going to uh, get affected on buying an expensive vehicle. But at the end of the day, there's a broader trend over here. By 2035, according to some estimates, electrical vehicles on the road are expected to increase by 500 percent. And Tesla is the biggest beneficiary of that. All right. What about Alphabet? What makes this an attractive entry point right now? Well, another stock on our watch list that we are really fond of, you know, so when they came out with their numbers, we thought it was good. Revenues went up by 11 percent. Street didn't like it because there was disappointment on the cloud. We think that the strength in the advertising business is far more important, far more significant than the weakness in the cloud business, Mm -hmm. because that's a more significant portion of the company's revenue. So for that reason, we remain constructive on this pullback. I want to come full circle again. You're calling for a urine rally. Where does this rally start? Does it start after the next Fed meeting? What's the catalyst for it? I think the catalyst for it is that, you know, uh, earnings are uh, coming out relatively decently. Uh, Valuations look good. Fundamentals are strong. You know, if you look, look at the September retail sales data, it crushed expectations. So for that reason, we think that from here till the end of the year, the market should be positive. All right, we'll have to watch out for that. Adil Zaman calling for the year-end rally. Bond yields lower. That's going to help it, but also saying buy the dip on Alphabet and Tesla. It is always great to have you here. Thanks for coming in. Good to be with you. All right, so back to this morning's breaking news. That is FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried being found guilty on all seven criminal counts of fraud and conspiracy against him. We have our Bertha Coombs here with those details. Bertha, happy Friday and good morning. Good morning, Frank. The federal jury returned the verdict just after 7.30 last night, about four hours after they began deliberations. The 31-year-old was accused of mismanaging customer funds stored at his crypto exchange, FTX, and was charged with seven counts of uh, wire fraud, securities fraud, and money laundering that left thousands of customers practically wiped out. In a statement, defense attorney Mark Cohen says that, quote, Mr. Bankman Freed maintains his innocence and will continue to vigorously fight the charges against him. Prosecutors spoke to the media following the verdict, saying that Bankman Freed perpetrated one of the biggest financial frauds in American history. The cryptocurrency industry might be new. The players like Sam Bankman-Fried might be new. But this kind of fraud, this kind of corruption is as old as time. And we have no patience for it. Frank Bankman-Fried now faces up to 110 years in prison. His sentencing is scheduled for March 28th of next year. Back over to you. We will certainly stay on that story here on CNBC. Bertha, thank you. We'll see you later in the show. All right, we got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, highlights from my conversation with FedEx CEO Raj Subramaniam from this year's Evolve Summit. His take on the state of transports, consumer spending, and the global economy coming up. Plus, not just Apple making some big moves in the pre-market, why the bulls are betting on shares of DraftKings. And then later, getting set for today's jobs report and what it could mean for the Fed's next move. Milken Chief Economist Bill Lee, he's here. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number 
and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to uh, Worldwide Exchange this morning. Taking a look, the Dow just slipping very slightly into negative territory in just the last few moments. The S&P down just about a third of a percent. Apple's earnings weighing on that index. Let's now see how Europe is shaping up as this trading day gets underway. Our Juliana Tattlebaum is live in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Juliana, happy Friday. Frank, happy Friday to you. Well, here in Europe, things are a little bit more positive than what you're seeing in the futures boards stateside. We're trading cautiously higher. That's how I would describe trade this morning. It is green across the board, but the magnitude of the moves fairly contained. FTSE 100 up two-tenths of a percent after yesterday. The Bank of England and their policy decision decided to keep rates unchanged, on hold, as they wait for more data to come in. Uh, the Zetradax is up about two-tenths of a percent as well. The CAC 40, a little bit more muted in France, just hovering around the flat line. FTSE MIB up about three-tenths of a percent in Italy and about 10 basis points higher for the Spanish market. Now, from a sector perspective, we are seeing outperformance in the auto space. You can see this basket of stocks up 1.5 percent. It's the best-performing basket in Europe this morning. We've got a couple of big movers in there. Volvo Cars is trading toward the top of the main benchmark, the stock 600, after sales at the Swedish automaker rose 10% in October, thanks to higher demand for electric vehicles. And the electric vehicle picture concerns about it is what weighed on the overall auto, uh, auto sector in the month of October. So some encouragement there. BMW also came out this morning backing its annual forecast as margins and revenues rose in the third quarter. So a little bit more reassurance from the auto sector from that company. Travel and leisure also performing well up 1.4%. Real estate up about 1.3%. On the downside, you got a little bit of red on the board from insurance down 1.1%. Oil and gas and healthcare. Uh, one stock in particular that stands out to the downside this morning is the shipping giant Maersk. It's right at the bottom of the stock 600 after announcing 10,000 job cuts are coming. Frank, back over to you. All right, Juliana, thank you very much. We're going to continue that story Juliana was just talking about. Quick market flash for us. We are also watching overseas shares of global shipping giant Maersk getting hit hard in the early trade. The company reporting a steep drop in profit and revenue for the third quarter. Also announcing it will cut 10,000 jobs, as Juliana just said. In addition, lowering its outlook for operating profit. Well, the company did warn back in August of a steep decline in global demand for shipping containers by sea this year due to slow economic growth and destocking in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. Again, looking at shares down about 12 percent right now. We're going to stick with the global supply chain. I sat down with Raj Subramaniam, CEO of FedEx, yesterday during CNBC's Evolve Summit. It was a wide-ranging discussion about the 50-year-old logistics giant where we discuss workplace culture, AI, automation, and his outlook for the global supply chain. 
There are three things that I've consistently talked about over the last 12 months. So let me hit those three. First is that we felt that the industrial economy around the world and global trade were in a slowing environment, and that is actually proved out very correct and it continues to be so. The second thing was we said that the consumers are spending more on services versus goods. So while the consumer spending is said high, the mix has changed. And uh, what impacts our business is spending on, on goods. Right. Now, I have to say here that that is now beginning to normalize to the pre-pandemic level. So there was a period of time here where there was a disproportional spending on services. But now we can see that starting to begin normalized to the pre-pandemic level. The third thing is that there was also an e-commerce reset. So in the pandemic, it drove up. It's come back down. But again, if you look versus where the pre-pandemic was, it's again begun to normalize uh, where we would have normally expected it to be. So those are the three things which are negative to our industry, and that's what I said. Uh, in addition to that, there was obviously the inventory, you know, at that point, destocking. I think that period is now over. We haven't begun the restocking yet, but I think, again, that's part of the reason. So we saw this early, and we said that uh, we're going to control what we can control and make sure that we're going to come out of this better than we went in. And that's exactly what we have done. These factors are where it is today. Like I said, like I said the, you know, the global trade environment is soft right now. The industrial economy is soft right now. We're waiting for some kind of inventory restocking to take place. And uh, we'll see how that goes in the next okay. uh, few months. You're talking about a FedEx, though. But what about the global economy? I mean, a, a year and some change ago, you sure. seem pretty confident that we were headed towards a major slowdown. What do you see right now? We also hear other people concerned about a recession. What yeah. are you seeing? Well, you know, listen, I, I leave it to the economists to figure out uh, what, 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 uh, what, what the, what the, uh, what, what the economy might go. But I, what we are seeing, I would say, is like I said, the, uh, I would say the industrial economy is relatively slow in many parts of the world. Uh, you know, and uh, and that and that uh, the consumer spending, uh, while it's uh, you know high on services, and now is starting to reset. And hopefully that'll come back in a positive way in, the, in 2024. And for more of the great interviews from the Evolve Summit, you can go to CNBC.com slash Evolve. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, China has long been seen by U.S. businesses as a driver of future growth. But these days, Chinese consumers are not feeling so confident about their future. Our Eunice Yoon takes a closer look at what's driving that weaker sentiment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers, three big stock stories of the morning. We're going to start with Bulls making a big bet on DraftKings. Shares are higher in the pre-market. You can see they're up about 7% after the sports betting company posted quarterly revenue that was ahead of analyst estimates. The company says growth was helped by geographic expansion, higher engagement, and average revenue per user going up. DraftKings reported 2.3 million monthly unique payers in the third quarter, a 40% increase year over year. 
Shares of Paramount set to extend yesterday's impressive gains, moving higher after reporting strong revenue and subscription trends for the third quarter. The parent company of CBS, Showtime, BT, and many other networks says sales grew 38% year-over-year, and its Paramount Plus streaming service grew by 2.7 million users. You can see those shares are up nearly 5%. And Ticketmaster parent company Live Nation also higher, delivering its strongest quarter ever and on pace for its best year ever, Thanks, of course, to concert tours from Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Higher ticket prices and pent-up demand helped boost revenue up 32% to $8.2 billion, just blowing past estimates, calling for just under $7 billion. Those shares up just about 3%. Turning to China now, it's long been seen as by U.S. businesses as a driver of future growth. But these days, Chinese consumers, they aren't feeling so confident about their own future. Just take a look at some recent earnings reports from companies like Yum China, Canada Goose, Estee Lauder, Elf Beauty, and of course, Apple. Our Eunice Yoon takes a closer look at what's driving this weaker sentiment. Thanks so much, Frank. Well, a private sector survey today showed that overall optimism is down in October for the fourth straight month and is the lowest since the early days of the pandemic in 2020. Consumers who we speak to here say that they just can't catch a break. Kevin Lee's suit shop in Beijing's premier shopping district was relied on by financiers and real estate executives. But not this year, with business down 30 percent. The biggest reason people don't want to spend is the uncertainty about the future, he says. That's hitting brands such as Apple, Canada Goose, Estee Lauder and Yum China's KFC. So much is weighing on Chinese consumers' minds, like all the income lost during the pandemic lockdowns here. Retail sales are up 5.5 percent through September, but that compares poorly to 8.2 percent for the same period in 2019, before the pandemic. Instead, household deposits in the first half were up 9.8 percent, the biggest increase in a decade. Families feel poorer because of the real estate slump. New home prices are down 0.3 percent in September, the steepest fall in almost a year. Unemployment is high, especially among young people, at 21.3 percent last recorded. Everyone feels unsafe, this doctor told us. She cut her clothing budget from $150 a month to zero. All my friends, no matter the industry, are worried, this interior designer says. Frankly, I don't see any hope. Taylor Lee says customers who do come to his shop are spending less. Before the pandemic, they would buy suits for $3,000. Now they choose $700 options. I doubt consumption comes back even next year, Lee says. And despite some market expectations, the government here just doesn't look as though it's ready or willing to unleash a large stimulus despite this waning consumer confidence. Frank? So, Eunice, you mentioned the real estate sector and its troubles are weighing on sentiment. But one thing that really stuck out to me was the household debt figures. Give us a sense. Um, what's leading to so much debt for uh, Chinese consumers and families? Well, people are feeling so much more poorer, and so they have been taking on a lot of debt in the past uh, several years, um, particularly when it comes to real estate. However, because of this um, overarching sentiment, um, there are a lot of folks who are trying to pay down, especially the mortgage, whenever they can. Um, and of course, then that's affecting the uh, profits for the banks. All right. Eunice Yoon, live in Beijing. Great reporting as always, Eunice. Good to see you.
All right, as we head to break, we have today's big consumer stat. It is uh, $776.9 billion. That's how much U.S. consumers saved in the third quarter, according to the Commerce Department. That's actually down from over a trillion dollars in the second quarter. We'll see what Milken Chief Economist Bill Lee has to say about this trend and what it could mean for the fight against inflation. Stay with us. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up. It's right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. Stocks are set to cap off their best week of the year as investors await today's October jobs report. Futures are lower. We also have some breaking news. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried found guilty on all counts of fraud and conspiracy, possibly facing more than a century behind bars. And then later, Apple under pressure despite a fourth quarter beat. We're going to look into what's pulling the stock lower in the pre-market. It's Friday, November the 3rd, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange and happy Friday. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, you pick up the half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures with the Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq all tracking for their best week of the year. However, you can see right here now in the red in the pre-market on Friday. Right now, it looks like the Dow would open up essentially flat, but slightly lower. The S&P and the Nasdaq also, as you can see, in the red. So some of the stocks taking the lead since Monday on the S&P 500. We're talking a wide variety of names. Warner Brothers Discovery. Paramount and Generac Holdings. No real theme here, but you can see some big double-digit moves here. Week to date among these names. Teleflex down here at the bottom, a name we don't talk about a lot, up over 16.5%. For the Dow, it's all about Goldman Sachs, Nike, Verizon, and Boeing. You can see a wide range of upside movers here. Nike up 7%, reversing some of its weakness in recent weeks. Boeing up almost 7%. The surge in stocks mirrored by a sharp move lower in bond yields. Let's take a look at the bond picture right now. The benchmark 10-year down about 20 basis points since that hawkish uh, pause from the Fed. The two-year and the 30-year, seeing their yields go back below 5%, but you can see right here, the two-year almost at a 5% yield, just ticking above 5%, as I said it. We also want to look at the energy market right now. As always, we start with oil, WTI, the U.S. benchmark. Right now, trading at 82.65, up fractionally. Brent crude, similar picture, up fractionally, just below 87 bucks a barrel. Natural gas moving higher, just about 2% in the pre-market. All right, that's the U.S. setup. We want to turn our attention back to this morning's breaking news and what appears to be the final chapter being written for disgraced FTX founder and crypto mogul Sam Bankman-Fried. Our Kate Rooney is here with much more on the story. Kate, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Frank, good morning. So Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty on all seven counts here. U.S. attorneys are calling this the biggest financial fraud in U.S. history. Max sentence here he could face more than 100 years. We'll find out that sentencing coming up in March. Bankman-Fried was convicted of seven counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud against FTX customers and lenders and conspiracy to commit securities and commodities fraud and conspiracy to commit money laundering. It was an emotional scene, Frank, inside that courtroom. Bankman-Fried's father At one point, burying his head in his hands, his mother was crying as that verdict was read. Bankman-Fried, meanwhile, was staring straight ahead, looking pretty stoic during all of this. The jury came back with a lightning-fast verdict yesterday. They started deliberating around 3 p.m. They broke for dinner at 6 p.m. The verdict came in around 7.45 last night. In a post-verdict news conference, Damian Williams, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, delivering some brief remarks. Here's what he said. The cryptocurrency industry might be new. The players like Sam Bankman-Fried might be new. But this kind of fraud, this kind of corruption is as old as time. And we have no patience for it. 
Attorney General Merrick Garland also out with a statement saying Sam Bankman-Fried thought that he was above the law. Today's verdict proves he was wrong. This case should send a clear message, as he put it, to anyone who tries to hide their crimes behind a shiny new thing. They claim no one else is smart enough to understand. In their case, the prosecution called FTX a pyramid of deceit. They looked to prove that Bankman-Fried knowingly stole customer money, gambled with it, and then doubled down on some of those bets, even though he knew about a multi-billion dollar hole in his crypto companies. The defense tried to argue that, they, that he never had criminal intent, and Sam Bankman-Fried did not know the extent of the damage. The defense team saying in a statement, we respect the jury's decision, but we are very disappointed with the result. Mr. Bankman-Fried maintains his innocence and will continue to vigorously fight the charges against him. No official word, Frank, on an appeal yet. Back to you. So, Kate, uh, now this is settled, is there any sense that this could give a boost to crypto prices long term? It's really been divorced from what's happening in crypto markets. It's being seen as this idiosyncratic event, good old-fashioned financial crime, as the prosecutors put it, and not having much of an impact on prices. Bitcoin prices, at least, are being driven more by macro events, some excitement around a Bitcoin ETF. And so it's actually been sort of separate from prices for the last year or so since this company collapsed. At first, there was sort of the contagion worry that it was going to hit other lenders. It was going to bring down some other crypto companies. Once that was sort of figured out within about a month or so, it kind of sat separately from what was going on in broader crypto markets. And then you have a lot of market participants saying that they're relieved that this happened, that people can kind of move on and some of the legitimate companies in the space can keep building and that some of the noise around Sam Bankman-Fried will start to abate at some point. But interestingly, not having much of an effect. Kate, you've been following every step of this story. Again, uh, Sam Ekman-Fried found guilty on all counts, as you mentioned, could face more than a century behind bars. Your documentary available right now on YouTube and CNBC.com. Great reporting as always and great to see you. Thanks, Frank. Great to see you. All right, we're going to turn our attention back to Wall Street. The October monthly jobs report due out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Economists are expecting employers to have added 170,000 jobs in October, down from last month's increase of 336,000. The figure set to come just days after the Federal Reserve paused its rate hiking campaign for the second straight month, though it does say it will remain data dependent. Joining me now with his expectations is Bill Lee, chief economist and executive director at the Milken Institute. Bill, it is great to have you here. Nice to have you, Frank. All right, so let's talk about the estimates right now. Estimate of 170,000 jobs, much lower than the month before. In your mind, if this comes in in line or even slightly higher, what does that mean? The Fed is hoping that their high interest rates is finally going to slow the economy and tame inflation. But as the labor market gets stronger and stronger, uh, and every time we get a new data released, uh, everyone's surprised on the upside, people are starting to doubt whether the, the high interest rates put in by the Fed are really capping inflation or not, because the labor market is so strong and is feeding consumption uh, uh, to, to continue very strongly. All right. So estimates are, are lower for this month from the year before. We're also seeing a trend when it comes to continuing jobless claims. We're on a multi-week streak of continuous jobless claims that you sent in some research to us about. What does that tell you about the job market and what to expect from this report coming up again at 8.30 a.m. Eastern? It shows you the job market really continues very strong. And, and, and I, one of the things that, that's feeding consumption and keeping that strong is the fact that people are very secure about their income. Uh, the consumer sentiment right now is the belief is that jobs are plentiful. We see a lot of unions uh, settlements that are really uh, fairly large. And, and, and people are very confident that they can have income to support the consumption. And that's the last thing the Fed wants to see because the Fed really wants the consumer to slow down in their consuming uh, because that's one of the forces driving uh, GDP growth and 
inflation. All right, we have some major labor actions over the last few weeks, few months. Of course, the auto worker strike. So according to uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we had 48,000 workers on strike in October. At the same time, we saw 37,000 layoffs. That's according to Challenger, Gray and Christmas. Talk to us about those two forces there. And, and what are we going to see in the jobs report? Are we going to see anything that reflects these different moves? That's a great point, Frank. In fact, that it, that's the inside baseball discussion among pros right now. The number may come in soft in, in October in terms of payrolls because the strike activity is really holding down the numbers. And in fact, the, the numbers may be a lot stronger than what we're going to be seeing. And if that's the case, the Fed is going to... Uh, have to stop being on hold and and continue to raise interest rates. Uh, right now, the Fed's credibility on on their ability to to really say that we're going to really raise rates if the economy warrants that the bond market is just doesn't believe that because no one believes that the Fed's going to be raising rates anymore, and that even again works against the Fed because that raises consumer expectations and inflation expectations. Bill, that's why we love to have you on. You're wrapping this all up in a bow. Um, if we do see in line or better than expected jobs report, how do you see that impacting the stock market and of course, as you mentioned, the bond market? Well, right now, everyone, including the bond market and stock market investors, are hoping that the Fed is right, that they will be able to control inflation. Once these numbers come in and, and it comes in at, say, below 170, everyone's going to cheer and you're going to see a positive reaction in the stock market. But if we see an overshoot again, watch out because all bets are off. All right. Bill Lee, chief economist of Milken, it is always great to have you here. Thank you again. Jobs report coming up at 830 a.m. Eastern. All right, it's time now for one of your big money movers, of course. We're talking about Apple. Shares are under pressure following a fourth straight quarter of revenue declines with sales in every hardware business outside of the iPhone dropping year over year. Despite beating on the top and the bottom lines, Apple says it expects revenue during the December quarter to be similar to last year. Though adds the iPhone 15 is doing better than the iPhone 14 during the same period last year. For much more on this quarter, let's bring in Daniel Flack, senior research analyst at Newberger Berman. Daniel, good morning. Good to see you, Frank. All right. So we see Apple stock lower right now in the pre-market. It appears that it was the guidance that's weighing on the stock. Apple saying they expect the same thing year over year. What else are you seeing from this report? Frank, we're seeing that the, the company is executing on their product cycles. Services remains very, very healthy. And as we think about the next several months, I think we'll see a reacceleration of growth. I think China obviously remains a concern. iPhone actually grew there in, in the most recent quarter. And so stepping back, the ecosystem is vibrant. Uh, Apple is continuing to empower developers. I think the consumer, uh, obviously, there's softness in pockets, but we still see growth improving over the next year and continue to like the stock. All right. So uh, just for clarity for the audience, uh, the street was looking for 5% growth in the holiday quarter. Again, Apple saying kind of the same as last year. I want to talk to you about the iPhone. They're saying the iPhone 15 actually doing better than the iPhone 14 did during the same period last year. Are the concerns about the iPhone and the sales, are they maybe overblown? I think the, the challenges that consumers are facing are real. The December quarter in the, in the prior year period had an extra week, which impacted uh, the guidance and, and, and the outlook relative to expectations. I do think that what's important is that the install base is continuing to increase. And so even as replacement cycles lengthen, the size of the install base and this continued mix up to the, to the Pro and the Pro Max is helping to support the iPhone business. Really, when, when thinking about this, 
current cycle, the titanium, uh, the new industrial design, a lot of the software, the video and camera capabilities, I think are notable. And that's driving consumer interest and in purchases of the device, which is positive if we think about the, the medium to longer term story. All right. So sounds like you think it may be overblown some of the concerns about the iPhone sales possible weakness in China. One thing that may be maybe underreported is the services growth up 16 percent year over year. What do you make of that? Is that something that's sustainable for Apple? I think the services growth is sustainable and it's driven by this this continued growth in the install base as the iPhone and really the broader Apple install base continues to increase. More people are consuming more services. So so iCloud, as an example, remains healthy. The App Store remains very vibrant. Uh, music uh, is another example of, of which is continuing to perform well. Apple Care, And so a lot of these big businesses are performing well. And as long as Apple is able to deliver value to customers, both on the product side and the services side, I think the services business uh, remains very well positioned to see uh, a durable growth as we think about the next one to two years. All right. We're talking a lot about services, about hardware. One thing that we're not really talking about is AI. Were you disappointed about the lack of, of talk about AI in this report? Apple doesn't typically uh, talk about uh, new products in an earnings report. What we've seen over in recent years is they're continuing to incorporate artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, in, in areas like the watch, for example. Uh, if you think about fall detection, crash detection, the ECG or electrocardiogram app. And so we're continuing to see the company infuse AI and machine learning into its products. I suspect we'll see a lot more of that uh, in, in new products over time. The iPhone, of course, continues to incorporate it. And so I think AI and the opportunity uh, that, that the technology represents will be additive to the Apple experience, which I continue to view as fun, differentiated and secure which helps keep uh, customers uh, delighted with their products. Oh, there we go. Daniel Flax leading, uh, ending on a high note there, saying Apple's AI plans look like they're fun and differentiated, something we'll have to watch. Daniel, great to see you. Have a great morning. Thank right, you, Brian. Up here great on to be with Exchange, you. Elon Musk sits down with UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, sharing his dark forecast for AI and the job market. We'll have much more on that story coming up. All right. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your global briefing. Elon Musk telling UK uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak he expects AI to eventually wipe out all jobs, calling it the most disruptive force in history. Speaking at a two day summit on AI regulation, Musk adding AI cannot be controlled, but leaders, they may be able to guide it into the right direction. Here we are for the first time really in human history with something that's going to be far more intelligent than us. Um, so it's not clear to me we can actually control such a thing, but I think we can aspire to guide it in a direction that's beneficial to humanity. Um, but I do think it's one of the existential risks that uh, we face, and it's, it's potentially the most pressing one. China's services activity picking up very slightly in October after hitting their lowest level in September. The country's purchasing managers index, however, still showing sales growth and hiring trends at their softest pace in 10 months. And fresh off of an earnings beat, Starbucks announcing plans to add 17,000 locations by 2030 and cut $3 billion in cost over the next three years. Their CEO telling CNBC yesterday he believes expansion opportunities are, quote, really large. The opportunity is really large. You know, we think that uh, we could be over 55,000 stores. You know, we're going to be opening three out of four stores outside of the U.S. 
but that doesn't take away from the opportunity we have in the U.S. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today and what our next guest says you should do after what could be the best week of the year for stocks. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It is time now for your WEX wrap-up. We, Oh, excuse me, what to watch. I apologize, everybody. Right now, uh, today at 8.30 a.m., before the bell, we have the October jobs report. Then at 10, October ISM services. Also, some earnings from Bloomin' Brands and also Restaurant Brands International. And then, last but certainly not least, uh, we have Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari speaking today, hoping to get more insight about the direction of the Fed. All right. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We begin with former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried found guilty on all counts of criminal fraud and conspiracy in a New York court late last night. He faces up to 110 years in prison. Jenny Yellen, she's taking issue with comments from billionaire investor Stanley Druckenmiller that not taking advantage of near-zero interest rates to sell more longer-term bonds was the biggest blunder in Treasury's history. Yellen telling CNN she, she disagrees with that assessment and that the agency's bond portfolio is about the longest it has been in decades. Longtime investor Bill Gross doubling down on a bullish outlook for regional banks, one that sparked a sector rally yesterday. Gross speaking out on last call yesterday. Regional banks are, uh, are beneficial or benefit from lower interest rates. And so we've gone down by... 40 basis points. Many of these banks, including Bank of America, including uh, Schwab, etc., have long-term positions, long-term bond positions in their portfolio. And so, you know, a 2 or 3% rise in prices is beneficial for them. And auto workers are the first Ford factory to go on strike, voting overwhelmingly in favor of a tentative contract agreement reached with the company. This coming on the heels of a report from the Wall Street Journal, Detroit's Big Three will pay striking workers on average about $100 for each day they were on strike. Shares of fintech firm Block surging after the company reported third quarter earnings that beat analyst estimates on both the top and the bottom line and showed strong growth in both Cash App and Square revenue. And Jeff Bezos says he's moving to Miami from the Seattle region to be closer to his parents and the Cape Canaveral operations of his space exploration company, Blue Origin. All right, turning back to the market, stocks on pace for the best week of the year with all the major indices hovering near their 200-day moving averages. Taking a look at futures, right now we see the Dow move back into positive territory, the S&P and the NASDAQ slightly in the red. And joining me now, Tiffany McGee, Pivotal Advisor, CEO and CIO, as well as a CNBC contributor. Tiffany, good morning. Great to have you here. Good morning, Frank. All right, so as we mentioned, stocks are on pace for their best week of the year. However, futures under a bit of pressure right now, kind of mixed. What's your outlook for the day ahead? I thought you were going to get to my WEX word of the day. (laughs) So um, when I think about what my outlook is for not only like the next day, but for the next few weeks, you know, um, yes, stocks are actually on pace for a great week. Uh, But when we look back to like last week, um, it wasn't the case. Right. And so I'm thinking about um, potential volatility uh, continued through the end of the year. and I'm looking for these opportunities. And actually, that is not to steal, to steal your thunder, but that is my wax word of the day is opportunities. No, no, so, it's, you know, it's really your thunder, come down. It's your thunder. So we're going <laughs> to show thunder. it right now. So your wax word of the day today <laughs> okay. is opportunity. Give us a sense. Why, where do you see the opportunity? 
So, you know, valuations have come down, and so there's segments of the equity market that are on sale. And so when you look at the S&P 500 weighted index, it's trading at 14 times earnings. Look at value stocks, right? Uh, the Russell 1000 value index is trading at 13 times compared to some of these high growth tech companies, right? Or these like Magnificent Seven, right? The NVIDIA, the Tesla, the Apple, Amazon. Those are trading at 30 times. So there are opportunities um, in the market that are on sale right now. All right. So I know you've been watching uh, the Russell 1000 um, since we got that hawkish pause performing right now, just about in line with the uh, S&P and both the Nasdaqs are doing pretty good. Um, where do you see why do you see the opportunities there? Because in general, small caps are more vulnerable to higher interest rates moves. Does this mean you believe that rates are going to stay lower for longer now? Not necessarily. Um, again, you know, right now I'm just looking at pricing. And so, of course, value stocks are kind of trading um, at a value, right? We're, we're really focused on price. But again, you know, when, I'm, when we're talking about interest rates, um, yes, we're at a pause right now. And I think that, you know, investors should really be paying attention to those parts of their portfolio with like the largest exposure to like time value of money, right? So, um, yes, um, some of these uh, um, like, like high dividend paying stocks um, are going to have more exposure to that. Right. And so these are stocks that, you know, really may have been right. negatively infected, uh, excuse me, affected by, by inflation. And they may have um, uh, inflation may have like eroded their their, their purchasing power. Okay. So that's so why me. I think that value stocks right now. Have yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just agreeing with you. Like we're looking at the chart right now. We're seeing those mm-hmm. those small caps moving right in line with the S&P, the Russell 1000 S&P making pretty much the same move. And as you mentioned, in your mind, they're, they're kind of cheaper right now. So as we look for other moves, what other moves would you make right now as we see this hawkish pause again and small caps moving higher? It appears that maybe that we're seeing the market broadening that a lot of people were calling for. Well, you know, in addition to your equity position, um, I would really also be, th- be thinking about the fixed income position, right? And so kind of considering um, like reinvesting um, these short-term positions, these short-term bonds into longer duration bonds. So, you know, right now um, there are opportunities in the bond market and you really kind of want to take an advantage to like lock in those long-term rates, okay, those so long-term yields. So you're saying the long-term, the long end of the curve is where you're looking for opportunities. Are you talking a 30-year or 20-year or 10-year? Where would you want to lock it in at? Is there one in particular or just generally that end of the curve? I would say generally the end of the curve, um, but really kind of taking a, taking a look at what um, an investor's current portfolio is. There are a lot of people that really took advantage of cash, which I still love, but then also these these uh, these short term um, these short term um, yields and rates. But I, I would think ten, um, twenty, and up to thirty right now, just to kind of have a more well diversified fixed income portfolio right. and cover yourself in the long run. All right, there we go, Tiffany McGee saying lock in those yields on long term bonds. Tiffany, always great to see you. Thank you for being here. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Frank. I want to take a quick look at futures before we let you all go. Uh, Taking a look right now, we're seeing the Dow. It's back in positive territory. It moved very slightly lower earlier this morning. However, the S&P and the Nasdaq, both in the red. Uh, Apple earnings continue to weigh on the Nasdaq this morning. We'll talk a lot more about that throughout the day here on CNBC. You see Apple shares down more than 3%. That's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.